now it's time for some Midweek Thoughts Hey Tim What's up? Uh, I'm bored uh, Pull out your phone Actually The battery is dead I don't I don't have my phone Alright man Well you're, you're You're screwed Honestly I Yep You're done I can't think of anything else That's because there is nothing else John Without your phone Life Dang is meaningless <sighs> All right, yeah, so we're going to talk about being bored. Tim, can you think of the last time you've truly been bored? Uh, I can't really, because even when the power goes out, you still have your phone. Dude, you no joke. Every time the power goes out, you're like, dang it. And you're thinking about the fridge, the TV. What are you going to do? Like, seriously, what do you do? Yeah. Oh. I still got my bars. Yeah. I can play my phone. Yeah. You can still make phone calls. I remember whenever I was a kid and the power would go out, that was a nightmare. Nothing, man. <clears throat> Anything. But no, yeah. Lights you, and candles and. Yeah. It's, but, see, that's another reason why you need to get them portable battery powered chargers in case mm-hmm. the power goes out and your phone's at like 19%. Yeah, I got one of those. <laughs> yeah, just in case. But it's true, though, thinking about boredom and how it's hard to feel satisfied anymore with anything that we do. And especially when it comes to just like the day-to-day life, you watch TV, you chances are you have your phone in your hand and yep. you're still scrolling through something while your TV is on. While the TV's on. Now I will say to movies, if you can find a good movie anymore mm-hmm. and actually want to watch the movie, not in the theater, there's not many people watching a movie on their phone. And that's fascinating to me. And I often wonder why mm-hmm. a movie, maybe it's because you know that movie is it. You don't want to miss anything in that movie. And your brain's constantly trying to stay engaged to that movie mm-hmm. because that's it. There is no, we could get into that, how movies now are even created like long-term TV sitcoms. Um, but you don't want to miss that movie Mm -hmm. where the TV show is you're watching something like parenthood, for example, or this is us, which apparently just started up again, Hmm. uh, where you kind of get a feel for the characters, what they're going to do. There's not as much of a sense of urgency to pay real close attention. Your brain doesn't need to stay that engaged, but it's still once more. Well, yeah, the problem is like, everything you can just access, you can access it again. Like if I am on, if I'm like watching Netflix or something and I'm on my phone during an episode, I'm like, Oh shoot, I can just go rewind it and watch it again. You know what I mean? Whereas like back in the day, if you missed your favorite TV show in that half hour block, like you missed that episode, you don't know when it's going to air again. You're done. Yeah. yeah. You're done. And, and so, there, well, there wasn't, let's let's take a little trip down memory lane here. When I was, Probably when I'm remembering, I'm remembering TGIF mm-hmm. TGI. on Friday nights because you didn't really watch a whole lot of TV. Now, this is back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, Family Matters was on. Oh, so good. Boy Meets World had just started. Was it Full House? Full House and Step by Step. <laughs> um, there was, I think, one Perfect Strangers was on there with uh, Balky Bartokamis. Some people might know that name. Nope. Um, hopefully one of the 20 or so people that listen. <laughs> that might have been an exaggeration, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, there was no – you had to record it or catch it on a rerun, and you didn't even really know when the reruns were going to be. But you also didn't have – here's something. 
you also didn't have the same type of programs. Like those ones, you could watch one episode and not miss a whole lot of the ongoing story because each episode was a story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I could just be the changing of the times. Maybe maybe things are made just to keep your attention, let it go, keep it, let it go, keep it, let it go. And that's just kind of how we are being programmed. Yeah, and I think they knew back then maybe you would still watch a show if you missed an episode because you knew you wouldn't miss that much. Mm-hmm. So you would still come back to it. Whereas today, they design these shows as ongoing sagas. Like you get bought into the stories, you get bought into the characters and you don't want to miss mm-hmm. what happens. And then you have Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and all the other streaming services. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever notice now how many Netflix originals there are? Yeah. Do you know why there's so many Netflix originals? Mm, why? My theory and I'll claim it as my theory, is because Netflix created this platform that said, come put all your shows here for seven bucks a month. People can watch your shows. We'll give you a small cut of whatever you know we get for having your show, allowing the licensing, however all of that stuff works. Mm-hmm. Netflix started a research project. What are people watching? Hmm. And they spent years figuring out what people are watching and they've made all this money with subscription fees to figure out what are people watching. And then when they finally had enough money, they create their own stuff and start booting all the other shows off and saying, like, we're not going to let them watch your thing anymore. We've got our own brand now. And now you have all the Netflix originals. It's interesting theory. Yeah. Which cool, though, because obviously they got to hire a whole lot more actors and stuff and a whole lot more staff to obviously create all these series. So it's not all a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Just like Amazon with amazon.com. Yeah. They figured out what people were buying. And once they figured out what people were buying, they created their own companies to sell a similar product and then bumped all of their companies up to the top of the search list. So your little headphones that you just bought, the off brand that you thought was an off brand, it's actually probably an Amazon brand. Hmm that they figured out. I mean, that's genius. So (laughs) it it really is. I mean, and I'm almost a hundred percent certain that that is how it happened. That's totally not at all. See how much, see how distracted I get. (laughs) Cause I don't have my phone to keep me on point. So we're we're going off of boredom and we're going off of, uh, just the the ways that things distract us in life and the way they're made to distract us. And this is all inspired by a book that you read in the past. What's that book called? Yeah, it's called The Hacking of the American Mind uh, by Robert Lustig. And it's been a couple months. I actually put it on audiobook uh, and I listened to it while I work. Uh, So, but just basically going into how everything out there is after your mind. Everything wants a little piece of your mind. Companies want a little piece of your mind. Social media, Facebook, they all want you to stay engaged with their thing. And I'm here to fight back. Screw that. (laughs) So I got rid of my Facebook account. Kind of. I'm working on it. (laughs) I'm working on it. (laughs) But but just, I mean, that attachment to your phone, like, it goes everywhere with us. Mm -hmm. Waiting rooms. You go to a doctor's office. How long does it take to pick up your phone? Yeah, seconds. (laughs) Seconds. Like, if you know, and I'm talking to everybody out there in podcast world. Have you ever lately gone to take a crap without your phone? And like, how freaked out do you get? You forgot how to do it. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do while you're pooping? Oh my goodness. I wrote a Facebook status a while ago that was like, I, this is true. I was by my phone for like three or four hours one day 
and I left my phone in my room to go to the kitchen to make food. And I was away from my phone for like five minutes. And I like ran back to my phone thinking I was like missing texts and missing phone calls and stuff. And FOMO. Yeah, and there was nothing. And I was like, oh, okay, like this is sad. But also, it was sad because I had like this like uh, craving. I was like, oh my gosh. Separation I, I, anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And it was scary. Uh, it, and this happens... I mean, we, we, we're saying phones as an example because that's probably the biggest distraction we have in our life right now. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of dif- just different distractions and that keeps you from being in the moment, that keeps you from actually experiencing whatever it is happening around you. And I love podcasting because we're forced to just stop the world around us and just have a discussion. And like, we can't, you can't afford to be distracted. So what I'm saying is you should all start a podcast. Yes. (laughs) It's a great outlet for just getting all the stuff in your head out. Mm -hmm. Um, Hey, we're talking about like this connection to your phone. And I, I used to consider like Facebook is like the new refrigerator. You know, you open it up. Any notifications? No, no. And then like three minutes later, you open it back up again. Is there anything else here? No. The new Everybody used to do that with the fridge. You know, they're like, mm-hmm. I'm hungry. Go, go look in the fridge. Nah, I'm not really craving anything there. And that's, that's called, that's not real. That's just your, and again, even that mm-hmm. is a distraction. That's your brain saying, I need something and I need something. I want to feel good. Find me something. And food is one of the primary things because if you're not, if you're not on your phone when you're watching TV, odds are you're eating something mm-hmm. because you're still bored while watching TV. It's you, you want to go get your favorite food to help yourself feel better Yeah, while you're watching this show that you thought was curing your boredom, but it's not enough. And it's this constant craving for something more. And it's your brain wants more. And it, it even goes into friend groups. How many times do you hit up a friend and you go and hang out with that friend. And then whenever you're with that friend, you both are trying to find something else to do. And I remember being a young kid, whenever I would hang out with a friend, that was, that was it. That was the plan. The plan was for us to be in the same room. And then whatever we did in that room was what we did. And that was, you know, you used your imagination. Yeah. We made up games. mm -hmm, We made games up. We'd make funny skits, everything. And that's all kids. But what about adults? We think, oh, we're adults. We're allowed to be on our phone, and we somehow justify it as networking. <clears throat> so not true. No, I mean, now granted, there's. I have been trying. Like the beginning of this week, I decided there was so much stuff on Facebook that was distracting me from. It adds up. You don't think you're spending that much time on it, but it adds up, and mm-hmm. that all of that information goes into your brain. And I don't think, personally, that our brains are designed to handle the same that amount of information that we put in it like our brains don't even know what to do with i i use the example like like somebody gets cancer Mm -hmm. our brains have not yet evolved i don't believe to handle that because cancer wasn't ever a thing like if you picture even 500 years ago well hey they probably might not have known what cancer was even Mm. further back than that And and a disease happened people had to accept that immediately and see it through. Mm. And there wasn't meant much hope for survival if something serious happened. So they just had to accept it and move forward. <laughs> well, now we have, we can try this treatment. We can try that treatment. We can do this. We can do that. We can do this. We can try this. And months to years go by. And our I don't think our brain can really process like the, that m- maybe hope, maybe not hope. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it going to work? 
And that's just one small portion of our life. Mm -hmm. And when we get all of this stuff coming through our social media feed, I just think it's so much that we don't need to know. Mm -hmm. So beginning of this week, I kind of just once a day, I'll get on and keep up with notifications in one or two groups that I'm a part of. You know, so yeah, I guess it's hard. I'm thinking of the average user, the average person we're talking to. And some might argue that, well, it's not having a negative impact on my life. Like, the pros uh, outweigh the cons of using it and all this stuff. But I guess I would just suggest taking a little, I think documenting your time at least for yeah. like two days is huge. Like it might some, seem like a hassle, but really truly document how much time you're actually spending of your day on doing mindless things and how many, how much time you're actually spending in the moment with what you're doing. You know, or who, who you're with. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I almost uh, said, or who you're doing, <laughs> keep track of who you're doing. No, but, um, like if you're watching a TV show, that's totally fine. If you are a hundred percent committed to that TV show. So I'm just saying, keep track of those times where you feel like you're just getting pulled by something. Yeah. And it's not like one is inherently bad. It's not like the phone is inherently bad, but so many, I think of us just started to use this new technology mm-hmm. and these new programs without actually stopping and thinking like, what is my purpose with this program? What mm-hmm. am I trying to get from it versus what is it trying to get from me? Mm-hmm. I, there's this really real quick. There's a Elon Musk just did a podcast with Joe Rogan and he talks about how we all are cyborgs. And Joe was like, what You're cyborgs? And he's like, no, every single person who owns a phone is a cyborg because it is an extension of who we are. And it's mechanical, it's electronic, it's a computer. And it literally is such an ingrained part of our life now. Yeah, I believe that, it. That he called us cyborgs. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's kind of right. Yeah. So It's crazy. Well, anyway, I know we could probably go a lot longer on this topic. Yeah, we, we got um, to wrap it up soon. But here. one of the things that I don't do that I know is very, very helpful, I've heard so many people rave about it, is meditation. Mm-hmm. A daily meditation. Got to get that discipline and got to do it. And I know one time I meditated, you know, and I don't know what the stigma is around meditation. I think we picture some dude sitting cross-legged with this, this, you know, and all that stuff. But I went to a uh, wild goose festival down in hot springs, North Carolina. It's in Mm. the summers. And there was a, a session about learning how to sing. And I'm like, I'm here to, to grow and expand my horizons, whatever I wanted. I want to learn how to sing and that's going to push my limits. So I went down to this session was down along the French broad river, hot Springs, North Carolina, really peaceful stream. There was maybe about 25 other people there. And there was, I forget who the, the leader of the class was, but she had something called a, like a, a UD box or a Juji box or a, or yeah, Hmm. some kind of a tonal, machine Hmm. that's air driven and creates a steady tone. And she had each of us like sing a specific part, but it was more like a guided meditation Hmm. where you just had to focus on your breathing, your humming and not being trying to get in tune with like the people around you. And it was about a half hour to 45 minutes long. And walking out of that, I'll never forget. Hmm. I was high as a kite. Like (laughs) I had never felt that at peace or that relaxed in my entire life. Hmm. And so I'm pretty sure it was meditation and knowing that breath is very important, you know, breathing in your nose and out your mouth or in your nose, even out your nose. I, a couple of weeks ago, I went on a run 
and I wanted to nose breathe the whole time mm-hmm. because I didn't have my heart rate monitor. And I focused on my breath the whole run for like four miles. It was like an hour long. Just in my nose and out my nose. Mm. By the end of that run, I, I recreated that high, that meditative high. Because that whole run, I was all I was was focused on my breath. Yeah, It was amazing. But there's several different reasons to relieve depression. And here I am on my phone looking <laughs> it up. I consider this a good way. But there's so many. It's, it's been known to relieve depression. Um, science says this stuff. Uh, there's less stress. It'll remove some stress. It can relieve headaches. You'll be nicer. You'll boost memory. You'll get more out of your workout. You'll keep colds away. You'll build better relationship. There's just so many different benefits to taking some time every day and just focusing on your breath and learning how to meditate. So, Tim, I thought that it might be nice to finish today leading somebody in a guided meditation. Okay. So this is very simple, everybody. Just just stop what you're doing. You don't have to close your eyes if you're driving, but I want you to focus on your breath. And this is not just any breath. This is filling up your belly with air. If your shoulders are moving when you're breathing deep, you're doing it wrong. Your shoulders don't move and you fill your entire belly up with air. And I'll tell you, people don't like to do that because there's a stigma around sticking your gut out. And everyone wants to suck their gut in and look all pretty and everything like that. So they breathe in through their shoulders and they stick their chest out. Well, that is wrong. You're not getting enough oxygen and you will die. (laughs) So we're going to take a big deep breath in through our nose and put it all in our belly and stick our bellies out as far as possible. Okay, everybody, breathe in with me. And exhale. Another time. 